Welcome to Crossview Radio, podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. All righty. Well, let's talk about Alistair Begg. Um, I normally don't respond to these kinds of things in the heat of the moment, um, but given uh, Begg's influence, particularly in our area of Northeast Ohio, I thought uh, it would be good to kind of take a look at the situation at hand, kind of uh, in in the moment. And uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know, Alistair Begg uh, was interviewed in September of last year on his book called The Christian Manifesto. And at the end of the interview, he addressed the question of whether or not a Christian should attend uh, an LGBT uh, wedding. And uh, he gave a, an example of a grandmother who called him and said that her grandson was going to marry a transgender individual. And Beg uh, told her that she should attend the wedding and bring a gift. And uh, lest I misinterpret or misrepresent him, uh, here is the clip uh, of exactly what he said. You and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this, and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, mm. which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the, I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus, yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. They're, you're not going to your your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought judgmental, critical, unprepared mm-hmm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and and don't understand that he is a king. Now, there was a lot of stir going on uh, with this whole debacle, uh, as uh, would be expected. And so Begg decided to respond to it uh, this past Sunday from the pulpit. And he preached a message at his church entitled Compassion versus Condemnation. And that's available on YouTube. I listened to the entire message. And I was, to be honest, Uh, a little disappointed to hear someone who is normally so precise uh, to be so sloppy in handling both the text of Scripture and the nature of the controversy itself. And uh, what I want to do uh, here today is to practice Christian charity, and so I just want to deal with the content of the message. Uh, I don't want to guess about his motivation, 
or speculate about where he is or isn't going. Um, for the record, I have not followed uh, his ministry very closely, uh, but I have always been in the past blessed by it. But he's made a very serious error here, and it needs to be dealt with. Uh, and those who know him personally need to directly confront him on this. The the first, and I think most important thing to note here, is um, that uh, the, the issue that Christians are concerned with uh, that is the issue at stake, the the issue in the statement that he made in the interview that everyone is concerned with, and the issue that he addressed in his sermon. Those are two separate issues. In fact, I did not see where he addressed in his sermon the issue at stake. And so the, the issue stated plainly is whether or not a Christian ought to attend, or whether there's ever a situation where a Christian could attend a gay or a transgender wedding. And in his message responding to this, Begg addressed a different issue. He addressed addressed the issue of whether or not a Christian should essentially, you know, show kindness to an LGBT individual. And those two issues are not the same. Um... The issue at the center of the debate is whether it's right for a Christian to attend the gay or transgender wedding. And in order to answer that question, we need to know a little bit more about what a wedding is and what it's communicating. And there are specifically two things about a wedding here. The first thing is um, noting what a wedding is to the guests, to those who are invited to attend and observe the wedding. Uh, A wedding is not merely a spectator event, there is a responsibility placed on the participants, uh, those who are getting married, and there is a responsibility placed on the guests. Um, And for the guests, they attend the wedding affirming, supporting, and endorsing the proceedings. And you may know of this little line that comes from the Book of Common Prayer, uh, where the minister will say, should anyone, prese- uh, should anyone present know of any reason that this couple should not be joined in holy matrimony, speak now or forever hold your peace. Now, uh, just so you know, there are weddings, and I actually read some stories today, uh, which are kind of interesting, of uh, people who uh, stood up and did respond to this uh, little line. Some people uh, purposefully attended the wedding so they could get their revenge uh, by saying something and kind of ruining the wedding. Um, There are uh, other situations. I read of a story where someone uh, had divorced, but the divorce was not finalized. And so someone came to the wedding and spoke up at this moment to say that they were still legally married to someone else and all kinds of different things uh, that have happened after this little line. Now, um, whether or not the minister directly says this, um, there is still uh, an implied endorsement. Whether it's said explicitly or um, or not, it is still implied. Your presence there is endorsing uh, the wedding. Um, but let's just explore this for a second. What if the question is asked directly? What if, for example... Uh, Bag gives the advice to this grandmother that she should attend the wedding, and as the proceedings are going, uh, the minister says, 
Uh, should anyone present know of any reason that this couple should not be joined in holy matrimony, speak now or forever, forever hold your peace. What is Beg's advice in that situation? Should the grandmother object publicly because she does know of a reason why they should not be joined? Um, or does the grandmother hold her peace and therefore put her stamp of approval on the marriage at that point you're kind of in too deep um it's it's one of those situations where you're now in over your head and there's no good way out of this either you stand up and say something um and and when you do that you actually make it you were trying not to offend your grandson by attending this and now you've actually offended him infinitely more than if you had not attended in the first place. So that's option one. Either you you object publicly or you hold your peace and therefore you put your stamp of approval on the marriage. Um, you, you should, at that point, you should have never attended in the first place. Uh, otherwise, you are making a bigger compromise. And it's just one compromise leads to the next compromise, which leads to the next compromise. And you snowballed this whole thing into something that's gotten out of your hands very quickly. In either event, you've got a mess on your hands. Um, now, th- that's the first thing. Now, the second thing to know about a wedding uh, is that it's also, it's not just an affirmation or approval. Uh, but it's also a celebration, okay? Now, that should be obvious. Those who are in attendance are celebrating something. They're celebrating the union of two people. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is whether or not you want to celebrate this kind of a union, and hopefully the answer to that question is apparent. Uh, what this means, then, is that attending a wedding is very different than eating a meal with someone, Attending a wedding is a very different thing than a business transaction. Attending a wedding is affirmation and celebration, and Christians are not to affirm or celebrate sexual depravity of any kind. Now, those two things together regarding what's going on at a wedding, that's that's the first big thing here um, that I think Beg uh, is missing in this whole thing. The second thing um, regards what he did address and, um, in his message. And, and I think he abused the text of the prodigal son. Um, he uses the story of the prodigal son, and he tries to make the case that we Christians are to view this issue, uh, in the same way that the father approached the son in the prodigal son situation. Now, the, there, there should be something that's very obvious um, obviously wrong about making this uh, analogy, and that is that in the parable of the prodigal son, the uh, son was repentant. So in Luke fifteen eighteen, we read this. Um, the son says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, this is obviously uh, confession of sin, confession of guilt. It's repentance. Uh, And the son recognizes that in order for his relationship with his father to be restored, he has to repent. Um, Now, ironically, in the story of the uh, prodigal son, we we also have a celebration, uh, just like you have a celebration at a wedding. 
uh, you have celebration in this story. And what is that celebration based on? Well, it is actually based on the son's repentance. In verse 24 of Luke 15, the father says, This my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The father never celebrated or affirmed the son's irresponsible behavior. The father never endorsed anything sinful that the son did. In fact, uh, we're never told that the father um, went after the son. We're told in this story that the son came to the father in repentance. And um, therefore, I would say that the parable of the prodigal son can in no way be used to communicate that a Christian should celebrate and affirm sexual sins. Rather, it can and should be used to communicate that a Christian should celebrate and affirm repentance from sexual sins. And so it would be perfectly appropriate for that grandmother uh, to um, not attend, of course, the wedding. And then uh, one day, Lord willing, uh, if this grandson of hers repents, which we pray for, um, then you have a big celebration then because of uh, the analogy that can be drawn between this and the prodigal son. He, uh, in the words of the father, was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is found, and of course, you begin to celebrate because of that. Now, if you want to make the case that Jesus ate with sinners, it must be observed that Jesus ate with them in order to call them to repentance. Jesus did not celebrate sin. Um... He, he loved sinners in order to bring them to himself. Now, it has to be understood that that is a world of difference. I will gladly do what Jesus did. I will gladly meet uh, an LGBT individual for lunch in town. I'll gladly show kindness to that individual. I'll gladly talk to and converse with them. But I will not, under any circumstances, celebrate their sin. I will not celebrate homosexuality or transgenderism any more than I would celebrate murder or adultery or any other sin. Sexual sins are awful, and Scripture places homosexuality in particular as a uniquely high-handed evil. Scripture refers to homosexuality as an abomination, shameless acts, impurity, dishonor, and unnatural desire. It describes the consequences of homosexuality as those who receive in themselves the due penalty for their error, that they will undergo a punishment of eternal fire, that they have brought evil on themselves, and that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what I think that Alistair Begg needs to to look at very closely, and all who follow after him. They need to look very closely at Romans 1, verse 32. Romans 1, of course, is the passage of Scripture detailing how homosexuality goes part and parcel with a deteriorating and imploding society. Uh, Sexual deviancy, in particular homosexuality, is one of the signs that a culture is imploding and is destroying itself. And at the end of that chapter, after... um, Paul goes through describing the different stages of that homosexual and sexual depravity. At the very end of chapter 1, here is what we read in verse 32. Though they know, 
God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. God says in his word that you don't give approval to people who practice homosexuality. Attending a gay wedding is giving approval to people who practice homosexuality. Don't attend a gay wedding. What is frightening to me is that this is just one of many illustrations demonstrating just how difficult it is for us to find our way out of the current cultural moment. We are living and breathing this stuff, and we have forgotten our way. We have forgotten how serious this is and how serious God is about holiness. So go after LGBT people with the gospel. We can love them. In fact, we love them by speaking the truth to them. Ephesians 4 reminds us that we are to speak the truth in love. And so show them kindness in this way. Um, Go after them with the truth. Show them scripture. Uh, Don't give approval to what they're doing, but point them to Christ, point them to the word, and point them to the gospel, um, and leave the results in the Lord's hands. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.